be with the coach. D20 Radio, where gamers roll. Execute Order 66. So the Order 66 podcast brought to you in part by our sponsors, GoDaddy.com and Buy.com, as well as the generous contributions of new D20 radio contributors, Michael Darnell and Chris Brinkley. This show is for you two fellas. So, now, after like a month and a half of not being here, Order 66 is back, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, with a <laughs> we're, episode we're, we're a week late. Okay, we're okay, a so week we're a week late. late. All right, fine. Have you taken a pregnancy test? No, not yet. Uh, okay. Uh, okay. Might be a good idea if you're a week late. Yeah, I kind of need a I know, HPTs are in my future. But anyway, yes, the voices, the lovely dusky dulcets you just heard were Twi'lek goodness. Who, yes, thank you, Dave. Hey, what's going on? You know, my name's GM you Dave. By the way, you compliment me like that all day long. By the way, of Dave. Course. Sorry for the interrupt, but no, I just no, 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 out. that's perfectly fine. And then the other dude, you kind of hear, you know, every once in a while. Well, that's GM Chris. What is up, Gamer Nation? Ah, it is good to be here. Ah, uh, yes, it's very, it's very good to be here. I'm giving serious thought to uh, to, to the pregnancy test idea right there because you know as as uh, Sterling Hershey's in our chat room, uh, Echo Base pointed out right now. Wh- where is it? Do you think all those other podcasts come from? That you know, that they have to come from somewhere. That's right. It's, they don't just multiply when you true. throw water on them. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's, that's not. Yeah, that's just kind of how it is. But well, welcome Gamer oh. Nation. For those of you who may be stumbling into this uh, this gaming table of the absurd for the very first time, we're going to be rolling dice and talking about the greatest role playing system to ever hit the shelves ever anywhere. Trust me, I know. Trust, trust me. Uh, <laughs> Star Wars Saga Edition, and this is the Order sixty six podcast, the only podcast devoted to Star Wars Saga Edition role playing. Yeah. And we got a, a a pretty good show for you guys today. Um, I'm I'm tickled pink. I, I wrote the show notes so long ago. I'm trying to remember what it's about. It's it's oh yeah, that's right. We're going to be discussing the, the Imperial, Imperial Agent. Knight. Oh no, no 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 no. Oh, very, that's the very, very different. Oh, that's the holocron. Everyone's right. That's the holocron. Yes. <laughs> Focus, Indeed. Dave. Focus. All right. Well. Fine. Control. You must learn control. All right. Well, let's see what we got here then. Accessing. Ah, good. New acquisitions. Greetings, Gamer Nation. My designation is KCK Sim, and this is your Hollow News Net update. You know, it's really funny that Buzz says this in the chat room about wanting to see a Cthulhu Tech podcast because we did reach out to those guys. Kind of, sort of. Yeah. Kind of, sort of. Uh, this this could be a more a more formal reach out. It, it was kind of it was kind of like you know uh, yes we need to do that and then we just kind of just let yeah, it lie. kind of really we really do need to do that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but there's a few other potential podcasts that might be added to the network soon. We are working. <laughs> Hands are stirring many pots. <laughs> mm-hmm. But until then, Dave, there's a lot of wonderful podcasts on the network right now, and um, that's I mean, right. Many of them have released new episodes. Yeah, uh, I believe they have. You know. 
Uh, Radio Free Hamlet has released an episode, Adventure Number Thirty Four. Oh yes, how about that? And how you know that? what? And and the Minus World finished up their Zelda thing with episode number nine. Ooh, very nice. But very I, very I nice. never was a Zelda person. Oh God, that was my crack. Oh, it was really? my crack. Yeah, yeah. Seriously, um, I, I remember playing it, and it was like when I was a kid, and and you just you know you you when you suddenly come to the realization of how big it is, like I can go anywhere. It's like wow, that was yeah, it was it was awesome. Oh wow. But. Speaking of crack, City of Doors. I don't know. <laughs> a ah. door cracks. You hit. <laughs> Episode seven came out of City of Doors. Oh, that's the one. Uh, that's they call it the one with spaghetti for hair. Mm. <laughs> All right. <There> you <laughs> and oh, the power source. Of course, you have to announce that one. The power. Power. The power. The power. Episode five came out. Unlimited power. Indeed. <laughs> Indeed. And, oh, yeah, by the way, you know what? Mr. Ruffles and Bug and I'm going to forget all their names, so I better quit <laughs> Sean Wu. Sean Wu. And, uh, That's right. Oh, man. Trazer. Yeah, all, all, all those guys. Trazer. Cool and and Trazer. Yeah. Yeah, all those guys. Yeah, episode number 40, dude. They, hit, they Bruce, turned the corner. Yeah. Bruce City, episode 40. Congratulations, guys. 40 episodes. That's a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. You guys are awesome th- up there, hey? Eh, up up there know. and up there in the Milwaukee land, yeah. yeah oh yeah, I don't know. you know where the good brew is? Yeah, <laughs> that's right. And some of them are funny looking in a general kind of way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What else we got there, Mister Chris? Uh, Tweakocast um, released episode nine this past week, and lastly, um, our featured cast this week, Minnie's Mayhem. Um, is actually kind of old show notes. It's a little updated, but the featured cast I really wanted to talk about was was this episode of Minnie's Mayhem, episode eighteen, which was released back on November first. Uh, Brev Tenny and the amazing largess of awesome guest Doug or Zen Dougie on our forums. Did you just call Doug largess? No, 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 largess. <laughs> it's it, it's a compliment. <laughs> Largess. What does largess mean? Love you, Doug. Uh, <laughs> For our swans, what does largess mean? That means big backyard. Yeah, it means that. Uh, <laughs> the, the the trio uh, they they kind of get back to basics. Um, I really like this episode. They had some real good noob advice for the Star Wars minis player, and they take the time to really delve into a segment I loved, um, discussing the off forgotten minis of Star Wars miniatures, uh, the low point pieces that are still wicked cool. Um, now they've actually since released two sneak attack episodes back to back, and. You know, I was talking to Brev about it, and he said you know, specifically they're going to try and really throw some episodes out there for some of the newer mini players to explain some of the more basic rules and some of the basic, like devoting an episode to like a specific type of attack in the rules and what pieces work well with that and, and synergies and things oh, like that. That's pretty cool, actually, because that's that's yeah. where I that's a daunting for me. As a that, new, yeah, as me a too, new, me too, and, and I, I've already player. learned so much. But I really wanted to highlight episode eighteen this week because I thought it was a fantastic episode, and you should go listen to it. Awesome man! So, well, the Scavenger's Guide to Droids, uh, guys, comes out in about uh, oh oh four days now, eh? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. So uh, run out to your FLGS, uh, or uh, if you really need to, you can go on Amazon and reserve your copy right now. Don't wait for the <laughs> translation. And um, uh, for those of you who are this weekend, I guess, enjoying uh, you know what? Little that's, Rock Game Con. That's why the chat room is so low right today. They're oh, all, they're everyone's all at Little yep. Rock Game Con or MeepaCon. Yep. Or MeepaCon, yep. 
and and Penn, man, that, that that's awesome. For those of you who are, you know, we're not going to plug it too hard because it's kind of late at this point. But uh, <laughs> for those of you that are out there, enjoy it and game it up. Yeah, that's going to be awesome. So, Very all awesome. right, uh, let's see what we got here. Good evening. I'm Luke Lowbrow for the Holonet News Network. Emperor Palpatine will have a colonoscopy to remove two polyps on Monday, and will temporarily hand imperial powers to Lord Vader. The procedure will be supervised by Dr. Evanson and his chief nurse, Ponda Baba. Because the Emperor will be under the effects of anesthesia for three hours, Palpatine has elected to implement Section 3 of the 25th Article of the Imperium, making Vader acting Emperor until Palpatine indicates he's prepared to resume his authority. In an unguarded moment when the Emperor's lapel microphone was still transmitting, Palpatine noted that if he could think of a way to get rid of Vader and the Rebel Alliance on Monday, he would be able to remove everything chafing his rectum all in one day. Political insiders believe Vader will use his three hours as Galactic Emperor to issue an executive order ensuring universal health care for all cyborgs who have received near-total body replacement surgery. This order is also expected to prevent health insurers from withholding coverage due to lightsaber amputations or lava burns. In the wake of months of negative press and in an effort to improve public relations, on Saturday, Wookiees across the galaxy will be setting up repair stations to help repair or replace droid arms free of charge. Any droid owner who may have had their droid's arms ripped out of their sockets by a Wookiee is invited to bring in their damaged robot. Each Wookiee mechanic is certified to have taken at least 100 hours of anger management training and has not experienced a rage incident in the last 12 months. Today, the Prime Minister of Bothwai issued a statement that all Bothans across the galaxy have mutually agreed to completely and utterly give up spying forever. Quote, We're not spying on you anymore. Those days are so behind us now. We'll never spy on anybody ever again, baby. We pinky swear this one. What, what were we thinking? So you could go ahead and, and, and treat Bothans like they're not spies. You, you can confide in any Bothan just like he was your best friend. You can share any gossip with a Bothan even if the consequences might be hurtful. You can even have a Bothan fix your computer and never worry that he might rat you out by grabbing incriminating photos from your hard drive. <laughs> Why would anybody do that anyway? We Bothans just want to be treated like everybody else now, okay? And if you don't want to treat us like everybody else, you'll probably regret it someday. Unquote. This has been Luke Lowbrow for the Holonet News Network. I like how he's intermingling uh, like current events with uh, the Twenty Fifth Amendment that, and uh, the uh, the Obama health care uh, debate. It, it's just genius. I think this is his best one since the first one that he released. Yeah, okay. this is pretty good. Beautiful. Very nice job, Dan. Give a big thanks to uh, Luke Lowbrow. D GM Dan is, of course, our. Uh, our, our Luke Lowbrow's uh, agent kind of kind of works with the show to help us uh, exactly get, get get that get that stuff in right. It doesn't right. come cheap. Let me no. tell you, God, no, nothing. He's expensive, but nothing. he's worth it. Yeah, I know it. I know it. Well, guys, I'm sorry. So, I um I didn't I didn't receive a postcard from Cody this week. Um, you didn't at, at all. Uh, I'm worried. Well, dude, let me um let me tell you that I got one. Huh. Yeah, I got one. He sent me something. It was uh, it was actually 
I didn't. I thought it was junk mail because it was it was not it was postmarked, but it had no return address. It was uh, unmarked. Um, no nothing. I mean, it was just a blank postcard. And why why did you just say well, what? It, wow. it, it well, it did have a picture of a, of a really really wonderfully rendered portrait of a massive space station and. Uh, clearly a humongous space station, you know, the size of several large cities, okay? So um, it's in the shape of a large wheel with four spokes that uh moving toward a large central spire surrounded by hundreds of docking buoys. And the caption on the postcard uh, reads this, Senator Simon Grayshade welcomes you to the pleasure and luxury of the wheel. Forget your cares and enjoy yourself at the greatest free port in the galaxy. From across the galaxy, it's time for postcards from Commander Cody. Dear GM Dave, I don't know where to begin. I know I've been off the grid for a few weeks, but I've had a good reason. I, I don't know how else to say this, so I'm just going to say it. I've left the Empire behind. After years of service and solid training, I, I can no longer live with what I've been forced to do and what I see every day in the galaxy. The Empire isn't what I thought it was. What a lot of us thought it was. There was a time in my youth when I followed all orders unquestioningly, without hesitation or remorse. But as time has passed, I've I begun to grow. Say things differently. I'm, I'm not sure why. There's not many of us clowns left, and the others don't seem to have changed the way I have. But I've become disgusted with the abuses of this regime. My travels have shown me the suffering of innocence and the death of justice. I can't take part in it any longer. After searching for months, I was finally able to locate an agent of the Rebellion and track his movements. My only hope is that, by revealing myself to him and pledging to the cause, I could find a new place in the galaxy, a new reason to fight. I've traveled to the Mid-Rim and the Besh Gorgon system, to the infamous port of call known as the Wheel. A massive space station inhabited by hundreds of thousands of businessmen, spicers, and pleasure seekers. This vacation hotspot has one very important feature. It's off the Imperial Grid. The wheel is run by Senator Simon Grayshade, who's managed, through clever use of bribes and well-paid taxes, to surround the station with a sphere of immunity. No Imperial ships can come near it. Home to hundreds of pleasure palaces, casinos, and businesses, it's the perfect place for a rebel to find a dark corner. I'm heading to the Crimson Casino, where I hope to find my contact. With luck, you'll see my sincerity. Give me a chance. I've done so much wrong, I, I can't go on like this. Not anymore. I was born and created to fight, but I can't fight for the Empire any longer. Hopefully, I can find a new way to use my abilities and stay in the fight. This time, on the right side. Dave, I know you and I have never seen eye to eye. But I trust you to keep this secret safe. Also, I want you to get word out to the galaxy. Tell them of the rebellion against the Empire. I'll be in contact as always. But now, with news from the new front line. Long live the rebellion. Your secret correspondent, Commander Cody. Well. That traitorous son of a... Looks like he's on the right team now, boys. Well, I am so reporting this. Uh, I, I wa- oh. Christopher, no, you're not. 
I'll tell you what, man. The, the, the guy has, has served us faithfully, and he's asked for nothing, nothing at all. Not like that scoundrel TK421 that, you know, we, we, we didn't send TK's him a check. not too bad. We didn't send him a check for two weeks because he hadn't bothered to call us for, like, nine months, it seems. And yeah, he won't even return any of our calls now or anything. So, a little punk. I am. I'm so livid. I can't believe he would disgrace his duty. This is just. Oh, this is a travesty. It is. <sighs> it is. It's a surprise, though. I'll tell you what. <laughs> it's oh, great. <laughs> yeah. All right. So why don't we step ourselves into the docking bay? Twenty docking bay hosers. When it don't be making sense, we be making sense of it. Questions. So, questions. How do they get more questions to us? That's my question. That's that. That's a good question. Well, they can of course call us at the Lusa line. 206-600-5872 or they can email us. TG, where can they email us at? They can email us at gmdave at d20radio.com gmchris at d20radio.com and goodness at d20radio.com although I'd advise to send the questions to Dave or Chris. <laughs> 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 or they can post on the forum. Yeah. Really? See, yeah, there you well, go. d20radio.com slash forum right there. Uh, yeah. Easy. Easy, easy. So, Ray Ray Boxer is where we start today. Cool name. Question about multi-attack goodness. He says, I have a question for everyone. Are the extra attacks granted by double and triple attack feats limited only to one target, or can the love be spread among enemies? I haven't seen anything to say either way, so I'm thinking GM Fiat would determine that. Still, I'd like to ask here just in case I'm missing something. Well, Ray, there's no fiat required. Uh, for, for those following along, the double attack and triple attack feats, uh, page 84 and 89 of the core rulebook, respectively, each grant you an additional attack with a single weapon on your turn, at a penalty to each attack roll. Now, the combat chapter does clarify that any time you take multiple attack actions, uh, multiple attacks, it does require a full round action unless otherwise indicated. But you do not need to dole out all those attacks on the same target. There are other abilities that allow for multiple attacks in a round that do specify that. They have to be spread out among multiple targets, like certain lightsaber form powers, as well as certain abilities that require you to attack different targets, just like the cleave feat. But double and triple attack have no such restriction. As long as you don't move from your square, you can take that full round action and attack any foe within your reach, You know whether it be multiple foes or the same foe multiple times. Easy. The, choice, the choice is yours. Beautiful. See? Beautiful. And that's rules is written right there. That's easy. That's asses Tis. and chairs right there. Tis. All right, so uh, Kikinik. Kikinik. <laughs> this is funny. <laughs> so what are, the cruel, what are the rules concerning laying mines? I think I have found them in the Force Unleashed book, but it still leaves me wondering, when laying mines, does the attack roll they make, when they go off, have any bonus applied to it, or is it simple at a D20 roll? If so... Which book is the bonus listed? I can assume that someone who fails to spot the mine would be flat-footed against the roll. Is 
is someone who is aware of the mind but sets it off either accidentally or failing to disarm it, not flat-footed. I can see the character trying to dive away or at least put their heads, hands in front of their face. Mines. Mines. It's a terrible thing to waste. A mine is a terrible thing to waste. Mine, mine, mine. Fun, fun, fun. Um, all right, uh, Kikinik, you are correct, sir, in that the basic rules for laying mines are found in the Force Unleashed Campaign Guide, page 100. The bottom line, boys and girls, is that mines are tight. Why? Because they require no mechanics check to place them, unless you're trying to monkey with a detonator. And per the rules, they do not make an attack roll at all. Basically, when explosives were first introduced, there was a lot of jawboning about how to best to use them against live targets. Detonite makes no attack roll against a door. You just place it and boom! Damage happens. Same principle applies here. You place the mine, if someone pl- blunders into the trigger range, then boom! It goes off and they take the damage. Period. No attack roll needed. How is that not broken? Okay, well, one, mines are hard to come by. They're either military grade or they're illegal. Two, they're rather expensive one-shot items. And three, they're very limited, with only one exception. You have to step on the square the mine is, is in to set it off. You can't just pick it up and move it later without disarming it, and that's not easy. And four, this is not an attack roll. It's an effect. That may sound great. That's the upshot. But the downside is that you can never take any weapon abilities with a mine. Okay, so being flat-footed, well, so what? It's not like a a scoundrel with sneak attack can lay a mine and do extra damage with it. You also can't make an awesome mechanics check to deal double or triple damage the way you can with standard explosives. So that's kind of the way it goes. TG, what what do you think about about this in particular? Because, you know, I know know we haven't dealt much with mines, really, in the games we've played. I I tend to stay away from them. I hate them. (laughs) Thank you, TG. (laughs) <laughs> my voice just suddenly got deeper no. <laughs> um yeah i don't know we don't, i don't have a whole lot of experience with them they're expensive i, I don't generally like to use one shot items mm. and then you have it well playing playing with you as the gm mines would be completely useless because i would put it in a square and you would make sure that your i would PC i Absolutely. No, yes, you would. You would make sure that NPC would not go in the square that I set it. I would have to put like a whole Absolutely. freaking line of them up. So it'd be useless. Oh, your, your lack of faith in me is disturbing. Oh, I just know you. <laughs> <laughs> I find your lack of faith disturbing. See? That's what happens. Right mm-hmm. there. Right there. Happens. Right there. And there. And there. That's what happens. Okay, so uh, Dr. Connus has another question, by the way. Are we done with that? With what? Mines. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, okay. unless, you, unless you guys say, unless you want something no, you want to add. No, not really. Okay. No. Not really. There's a school. Pretty, pretty, pretty yeah. basic answer. There's a, there's a school devoted to them in Colorado. But, um. The Colorado School of Mines. Okay. So, improviser, prestige class. Dr. Connors asked this. So my techie was excited when the Rebellion book came out, and he, 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 speaking he, as in like he was really alive and like an actual character that you can talk to. We need to find psychological help. He's probably speaking about the player. 
he finally had a prestige class that fit his character so well. Oh, yeah, okay. My techie. See, my techie. Jump to conclusions, Dave. That's right. Jump. And it's a mat that you can jump to. Jump. Conclusions. Conclusions. <laughs> wow. Okay. So, uh, okay. But I was looking at the contraband ability. I was wondering how people handle it in their games. At second level in the prestige class, they get the ability contraband, which gives them 2,000 times half of their cl- class level and credits worth of illegal equipment. That would mean that as long as he's in a civilized area, he could always pick up a thermal detonator every level, which, when you think about it, can be pretty unbalancing in certain encounters. Also, after he gets up to Prestige Class 4, he can also pick up a lightsaber, according to Raw. Should I, as a GM, put some kind of restrictions on what he could possibly buy, or would that defeat the purpose of having the ability? I just worry about some foreseeable balancing issues so we've no. had uh, we've had quite the discussion on the forums about this huh we have no. okay no, well, he should <laughs> elaborate tg no seriously i mean what what do you think do you, do you mean because we we had a podcast a while ago about the improviser and we talked about this ability yeah and, i mean do, do you do you think it's broken i mean this no. is a no no because well because a uh a noble at that level can yeah With not even Bat with they got wealth, not even bat an eye, and get illegal gear on the black market. Easy, easy, yeah, easy. I, 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 I it ain't it ain't nothing to buy a thermal detonator. And as the GM, let them have it, but you let them have it with a little grin on your face because uh, yes. you're gonna balance the game out with him having something like that. I have a feeling that there's going to be some force users that if you throw a thermal detonator that it's going to come flying right back at you because of a, <laughs> because of a Oh, uh, see, I would go even more subtle. I you know like what? So so the guy's got some thermal detonators on him. Great. Well, what if he gets pulled over for like a routine customs inspection and the guards, or, you know, or security finds a thermal detonator on board the ship? Can, this is a highly illegal piece of equipment. If you got pulled over for a speeding ticket and the cop looks in your back seat and they find like a nuclear warhead in your back seat, or okay, <laughs> n- n- not even that, because I mean, obviously that's not the same equivalent, but I would, you know, like, even if they, if they find a, a grenade gun. or a machine gun in your back seat, just what do you think they're going to do to you? <laughs> uh, probably not a lot. <sighs> okay, now for those following along, page 43, Rebellion Era Campaign Guide, is where you can find the intro- improviser's contraband ability. And basically, like, like you said, it gives you this really massive amount of free illegal gear as you gain levels. So there you go. But even then, as far as thermal detonators go, guys, I, I honestly don't think they're that badass. Everyone talks, oh, thermal detonator, thermal detonator. They're really, especially at mid-levels when you gain access to this prestige class, they're not that great. I mean, the only real advantage it has is this massive area. But, I mean, if you're planning your encounters properly, listen to yeah. episode 37, the list. The list. That's, that, that shouldn't be too much of an issue. I mean, honestly, you know, eight die six damage, that's really nice, but it's just as much as force lightning. Right. Um, you know, furthermore, it's got limited range because it's a thrown weapon, and it deals energy damage, which means a force user can use negate energy on it. They can't do that with a frag grenade. Like Dave was, was saying earlier, yeah. Mm-hmm. So there. So there. Um, and with lightsaber, like, what's the point of buying a lightsaber if you're not trained If you're not trained, trained to use user? it, yeah. Duh. Yeah, I, I mean... mean yeah. What's the point? Okay, so wow, I've got a really shiny, you know, 
door hot door cutter or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but the point of a lightsaber because it doesn't do, do that much damage. It's not yeah, a fantastic melee weapon. Melee weapons, yeah. You got to be trained to use it to deflect and block. Yeah, that's, that's where, where that's it's where really useful. So, yeah. whatever, let them have it. Who cares? I mean, it, it does ignore DR. That is val- that is a pointed thing, but there's not a whole lot that has DR in this game aside from objects. So, oh wow, yeah. you got yourself a good settling torch there. Exactly, pretty much. And furthermore, the same thing goes. Okay, so great, he's got a lightsaber. Okay, how, how do you how do you think a Jedi would respond to your non Jedi improviser carrying a lightsaber? How do you really think they would respond to that in game? Or what if you're playing in the Kotor or Dark Times or Rebellion or Legacy era? How would the Sith or the Empire react when they find a lightsaber on your person? Hmm. I figure okay. you should know how to use it, otherwise you die. Yeah, pretty much. So, I mean, look, bottom line, try and say yes whenever you can. That's you, my motto. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I heard that. Um, <laughs> but, listen, you do, you do, as a GM, have the right to say no. I think, though, you need to set that expectation for your player well before the session. You need to tell him, look... Look, this is a really cool ability, and you can get some crazy stuff with it. And I like it, and I'm going to work hard to make it cool for you and to get you what you want. But there will be times when what you're asking for is outside the intent of the ability, as I see it, or is simply not believably available from where you are. Okay, Uh, When that happens, I'm going to say no. But I I just want you to know that I'm going to do my best to ensure that that is a rarity, because I want you to have fun with this. If you set that expectation up front, you should be just fine. That's all cool. I have to say about that. <laughs> hey, welcome to Wattles. This is Watto for Watto's Bargain Basement. And I want you to come on down to Tatooine this week for our big special sale. Tell them Java sent you and you get a free chance cube. We got the deals for you. Come on down to Watto's Bargain Basement. What do you know? (laughs) Watto! Yeah. So what did you find at Watto's? All right. I found something cool. The perfect piece of attire for my wardrobe. Um, yeah, it's perfect for you know storming an imperial shield generator, or, or you know sneaking about in, in the wee hours of the morning. I, my friend, returned with a camouflage poncho. <gasps> Gotta love ah. the camo, the, the 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 camouflage poncho. Um, this is a a very very cool little item, and um, you can find it. Uh, where, where 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 can you find it? It's a really good question because it occurs to me. Uh, uh, Hogwarts. On, on on my show notes, I forgot to write down the page number. <laughs> there, forty six. Ha. <laughs> page forty six of uh, Galaxy at War. The <laughs> camouflage poncho. So basically, like, okay, you you have all seen Return of the Jedi, and you know when they go down to the forest moon of Endor and they have those camouflage ponchos on, right? Well, the the. The basic thing is, that the, yes, they were camouflaged in that film. The reason they, they were like camouflaged in terms of the camo pattern is because they were in a forest. But the piece of gear, the camouflage poncho, does a lot more than that. It shifts its color patterns to match the wearer's surrounding environments, regardless of where you are, thus providing a plus five equipment bonus to all stealth checks yep. whenever it is worn in any environment. Yep. 
It can match a dark alley or a sand dune. It doesn't matter. Easy, simple item, cheap, a paltry 125 credits, weighs one and a half kilos. Awesome. What would you think the big downside would be, though? Uh, when it's not raining? Well. Yeah, it's a poncho. <laughs> <laughs> People are going to point and laugh. This is true. You you are wearing a poncho. It, it is kind of hard to disguise that. And, you know, from a role-playing perspective, that guard might want to know why exactly you're casing his boss's place wearing a camouflage poncho. But, uh, but hey. Hey. <laughs> because if you were wearing anything else but the poncho, it'd be okay for you to be casing the joint. Okay, well, yeah. my thing is this, though. It's, it's, <laughs> you're, you're right. Uh, <laughs> this is a one and a half kilo item. It can be stuffed into a pouch or a backpack. It doesn't have to be worn all the time, but it's a really cool... That, that's what I like about this. It's unlike the stealth suit. Unlike other items that give you this bo- bonus to, uh, to, to stealth, it's something that can be tucked away and pulled out when you need it. So, it's cheap. Too. It's also cheap. I think this is a marvelous piece of equipment. And um, yeah, Watto can hook you up, most definitely. Most definitely. Most definitely. Right. We're going to take a break real quick for Alex and Trevor, Fragments from the Rim. Those boys checking in with segment number 34 from their archives. And we'll be back with you on the other side in about two and a half minutes. Welcome, Jedi Masters, to Fragments from the Rim. How may we be of service to you today? Hi, this is Alex. And Trevor. This is segment number 34 of Fragments from the Rim. For this segment, I've chosen to talk about the talent from the Recklessness Talent Tree on page 25, Rebel Era Campaign Guide, called Find Openings. It's a fairly simple little talent that's kind of useful. It says, whenever you are missed by an attack, you gain a plus two morale bonus to your next attack roll before the end of your next turn. You do get missed in combat fairly often, so this bonus will show up fairly often. Rather nice little bonus. Over to you, Trevor. Today, I'm going to speak about the crippling hit attack under the gunner talent tree in the Starships of the Galaxy book. Whenever you make an attack that causes a vehicle to move one or more steps down the condition track, you may also cause it to lose one of the following systems, hyperdrive, one weapon or weapon battery, or communications. This system remains inoperative until the target regains all of the steps on the condition track. This is a really neat concept in the fact that if you're uh, in a fighter and you're trying to stop a capital ship, or any ship for that matter, from taking that jump and getting away with the bad guy or getting away with the person you're trying to rescue, this is the kind of thing that you're going to want to make certain that you can enact because you can take out the hyperdrive, or if you got somebody who's got a big nasty gun, you can take out their gun, or if you just don't want them to tell anybody uh, that piece of information that they're not supposed to you know, get out, you can take out their communications. And the fact that it lasts until they're recovered all the steps in the condition track, that, that's more than the typical one round or, or a couple of rounds that some of these you know things happen because they're going to be at least two rounds out. Because if they do nothing the next round but do their three swift actions to bring themselves up that one step, if they only went down one step, then it will be the round after that that they may actually be able to do what they wanted to do, giving you one or two more attacks to actually take it out again. And if they go more than one step down, they're they're pretty much you know uh, a duck in the water. So I think that's a, a really neat starship combat talent. Anyways, if you have any questions or comments, please uh, send Alex or I an email at order66 underscore fragments at rogers.com. And until next time, have fun gaming.
Thank you, Masters, for visiting Fragments from the Rim. All right. Thank you, Alex and Trevor. Always love that segment. Very, very nice. Fragments from the Rim is rockin'. Would you not say so, TG? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it is. Verbose on this tonight, apparently. Oh, yes. All right, younglings. It is time to get meaty and get to the meat. And of potatoes. Our, of our show. Because tonight we're going to be talking about silver lightsabers. And, and, and crimson armor. Ooh. Because silver lightsabers, Gamer Nation, are just too cool. So this week, we're going to continue our overdue prestige class discussion. Now, again, we've asked you to tell us what you'd like us to talk about, and you have. By far the most current request we've had in recent weeks, and in the form of three PMs, two emails, and over a dozen forum posts, is to delve into the crimson armor and silver-bladed lightsaber of the Imperial Knight. Now, for those not familiar with the expanded universe of Star Wars and the Legacy Era... Me. Like, <laughs> such as TG. Yeah. Basically... To, oh, explain to, to me. Okay, well, to, to sum up, a, a century or two after the events we, we know and love from the original Star Wars saga stands a galaxy very different from the one we know. Uh, yeah. the, the, the Empire is back, but they're, no <gasps> long, but, but they're no longer the bad guys. Oh. Well, depending on who you talk to. Oh. Uh, and the, the setting is a mix of politics, power groups, and strange bedfellows. Those—that's are the concepts that really define this fun era. And, and one of the most iconic figures within this era are the Imperial Knights, an order of Force users descended from Jedi who pledge themselves to the protection of the Empire and, more importantly, the Emperor in exile, Rowan Fell. Okay, so is—is is it a, a Darth? Lord or anything that's no empire. Oh. Oh wait. Well, well. Which which empire? That that's kind of the thing. There's the. I don't want to get into a legacy history discussion, but just I was just trying to give you a little little taste of what the knights represent. But um. But well, I'm. I, I think well, no. They're, they're. Are they supporting? Are they supporting a bad guy? No, no, not at all. Um. The 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 the, the empire was taken over by Darth Crate, who is a Sith Lord. Okay. okay. And he actually was committed a coup to kill the Emperor, Rowan Fell, but in actuality, he killed his double. And uh, the real Rowan Fell was safe. And so you have this little splinter group of Rowan Fell and his loyalists, including the Imperial Knights, that go off to this little, little area of the galaxy, and they are the Empire in exile. And they, they are actually good guys that are you know, trying to gain back their power, while you know, the, the Sith rules the galaxy and uh, took over the Empire, quote-unquote, with an iron fist. Um... So that's kind of where it all fits in. But, you know, the Jedi are still around, too. And uh, the Galactic Alliance they Remnant, they're being Jedi. Um, after, after, um, after, after Darth Krayt took over, he kind of you know, massacred all of them, or almost all of them. So that's kind of rough. But, yeah. yeah. So there you go. Um, right. The Imperial Knights are, are the defenders of Rowan Fell. They're, they're staunch defenders. They're proud. Some would say arrogant. And they're arguably the best at what they do. Just, just ask them. They'll tell you. Um, so join us, Gamer Nation. Open your Legacy Era campaign guides to page 43 while we explore the mysteries of what is arguably one of the toughest tanks and beat sticks to ever wield a lightsaber, the Imperial Knight. So, um, mm -hmm. so how do you enter the Order of the Imperial Knights? Ah. Do you have to have a, like a specific level? I would guess 7th. Ah, no, no, you, no, you would not. So if you wish to become a recruit, 
um, and, and, and get into this. Actually, there, there is no minimum level. Uh, instead, we have a base attack bonus requirement here. Um, you know, minimum base attack bonus of plus seven. So yeah, you need to be at least seventh level to have a minimum base attack bonus of plus seven. Um, but you know, you may not if you're seventh level. The point is that you're a combatant, and you're proud of that fact. And that that combat ability is really the the defining factor towards towards that. Not else. So what else do you have to have to get into this prestige class, TG? I mean, are there are there any trained skills you think an imperial knight would need to have? I would think they would kind of have to have used the force. Ah, yeah. yes. And it's probably important um, for the Imperial Knight to understand the danger of or probably reject the use of the dark side according to the history lesson you just gave us. This is true. Now, this is not, this is not part of the actual, um, what, should, what, what would you say, uh, requirements, but it is worth noting, since we're talking about force use, that yes, you are correct. The Imperial Knights don't use the dark side. They understand the danger of it. They reject it. But even then, they still feel the Jedi are far too goody-goody. They strive for a more balanced view of the Force. So, there you go. Okay. Fair and balanced. Fair and Fair balanced. and balanced. Fair and balanced. All right, well, <laughs> TG, what, what feats do you need to have to get into this prestige class? Well, if you're an Imperial Knight, it suggests that you're going to be wearing some big, heavy armor. So, armor proficiency, light and medium. Huh? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, if you use the force, force sensitivity. Yeah, that, that's kind of important, yeah. And you probably need to know how to use a lightsaber, so I'd say weapon proficiency lightsaber. You would be correct. You'd be correct. Uh, now, what, what I find unusual about this combination of feats here is the fact that, you know, the, as we'll see, the knights combine lightsaber use with the use of rather stout armor, um, which is something you don't find very often in terms of, of prerequisites. So this means that you're, you're going to have certain class and feat choices that are going to play a heavy hand in guiding your character build. Soldier. <laughs> well, TG, is there any other requirements at all to get into this prestige class? Perhaps any, any, any special requirements? I would say from the history lesson you gave, they would have to be like adamant defenders of the emperor, what, Rowan Fell? Is yes. that who it was? Yes, yes. And not, not adamant. Sworn. <laughs> Sworn. Is Roan Fell a male or female? Because this is very important. <laughs> he is a man. A and man. He, he, he is also a trained Imperial Knight himself. And his daughter, uh, Marisaya, who's got a smoking hot picture in the uh, Legacy Era campaign Ooh. guidebook, by the way, um, is also a trained Imperial Knight. All right, so if he's an Imperial Knight, who is he a sworn defender to? Himself. <laughs> Wouldn't you be? <laughs> yeah, sure. That's awesome. The guy's got a prestige class for himself. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I'm a sworn defender of me. <laughs> uh, Isn't that scoundrel? <laughs> kind of, sort of. Yeah. But um, but um, but um. So there you go. Okay. Bottom line, gamer nation. To get into this class quickly, straight levels in Soldier and Jedi are best to get that plus seven base attack bonus. Maybe you'll level dip elsewhere, but it would delay your entry into the Prestige class. But the most efficient build, your first level either needs to be in Soldier with that level one uh, character feat in Force Sensitivity, so you can pick up training and use the Force, or get your first level in Jedi with the knowledge that you will need to burn a feat or two later on armor proficiencies. Yeah, righto. There we go. All right, well, those are the prerequisites in terms of getting into it. Dave, why don't you hit us up with some of the basics of the class? Let's talk right. about hit die, base attack bonus. So base base attack bonus is good, dude. You're you're a warrior, you're a combatant, you get, you know, you get a good base attack bonus. And you have a D ten 
hit die because you oh, are a badass. You're meant to be in combat, right? There you go. Um, you get a plus two to all your uh, defenses. All of my defenses. Well, isn't that something? How about that? Very much like a Jedi Knight, you know. Your uh, training with force has really balanced your defensive ability, and the even level ability for this class is the same as it would be for a force adept or a Jedi Knigget. <laughs> that would be force technique. That would be a force technique. So expanding your uh, use uh, of the force through force techniques is what you get every even level in this prestige class. So. We covered, uh, if you guys delve back into episode number 19, oh, this brings up something special. We covered Force Techniques extensively in episode 19, which was devoted devoted to the Force Adept. So, similar to the Jedi Knight, it uh, provides, you know, the even level ability provides uh, some boss Force use ability, but, uh, you know, the talent of this class is uh, on your odd levels provide for some uh, really effective combat abilities and a, and a great deal offense and some other really amazing defensive powers. But I want to stop down for a second and recognize the fact that Cat, speaking of episode, what, 19, Cat and all her glory and her friends, Ender, Alpha Ant, Asa TJ, Darth Voldemort, Vader's son, who we call Duncan, GM Tenney and Zarissa have cataloged the whole bit. Everything that you would say would be all our shows and have uh what? Basically one through eighty. They're all they're all there. And they're perfect in all their glory. Completely cataloged. So what do you say to that? I mean the fact that Kat has gone through with her merry band of brotherhood to like catalog episodes one through eighty for us. I, I stopped down, by the way. Sorry, I, I stopped down the whole broadcast just to compliment Cat for for coming up with the index. Well, that's fantastic because Skype just cacked on me. I know. Good, t- good timing. TG, are you on? Yeah. She, okay. Oh yeah. Y'all are both uh, back. So. Okay. You want to throw me a co-host? Yeah. For whatever reason, we had a hiccup. That's eh, weird. So. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I miss. I, I cut off literally when you said "cat" for the very first time, and that's all. Sounds I Sounds like he was complimenting Cat on getting everybody organized to do the index of all of the episodes up to eighty. Word. Right. So that's what I just announced, and thank you very much to Cat and all the guys I just mentioned right now. Everyone should send her a personal PM to thank her and tell her how amazing and gorgeous and sexy she is. And right. that way she'll kill me <laughs> again. Right. 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 All right. So Okay, yeah. so now what were we talking about? We were talking <laughs> about the lowdown of this prestige class that I was talking about the force techniques and Ah, and, that's uh, right. Yeah. So gotcha, gotcha. you know now now so, we're, we're talking about we're talking about very much the pride of the Imperial Knight at this which, point. Would be what their armor. Well, well, eventually, or it depends on who you talk to. Since we talked about recruitment, basically the basics, let's 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 don the armor. Let's let's talk about that that pride of the Imperial Knight. Um, the pride of the Imperial Knight really is working with his fellows. It's it's standing as a, a beacon of power and protection, um, and this is exemplified heavily in the two new talent trees the Imperial Knight has access to. 
Um, now, likewise, the knight also has access to the soldier's armor specialist talent tree and the Jedi's lightsaber combat talent tree and the Jedi knight's duelist talent tree. Even if the awesome saw stripping new trees don't catch your fancy, these other trees ensure you flexibility and combative strength. But um, what do you say? Uh, shall we uh, just, just get to the, the awesomeness, as, as it were? Shall we dance? Yeah. Let's get to the drool. Let's, let, let's do it. Yes. Let's talk. Okay, so of the two new talent trees, um, the, the, the first here is, is the knight's armor talent tree. Now, the, now TG, as you said, the, the imperial knight is, is most often recognized by his iconic black and crimson armor, usually given to or crafted by a knight when he's been accepted into the order. Now, imperial knight armor is very expensive, very rare, and it is medium armor. That's important. That gives a whopping plus eight to reflex defense, plus two to fortitude, and it can be found on page 183 of the Legacy Era Campaign Guide. That's huge. It's huge. Now, with this talent tree, you know how to use your armor better than anyone. So, TG, why don't you hit us up with the the first talent in this tree? Because it's it's worth talking about. Yeah, and when there's something worth talking about, you obviously get me to bring it up. Always. Always. So we're talking about armor mastery. Quite possibly the talent that's gotten the most consternation and cries of angst from GMs, right? And cheers from uh, power gamers. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So to sum it up, this single talent gives you the benefit of both armored defense and improved armored defense instantly allowing you to gain your heroic level to reflex defense while wearing armor, while also adding the armor's bonus to your reflex defense. Half the armor. It's half the armor's bonus, isn't it? Ah, you're right. It is half the armor's (laughs) bonus. So (laughs) I'd love it to see somebody say, well, TG said it was full. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) somebody's arguing with their GM right now about that. Bottom line, if you're building a level 8 character from scratch, you're better off taking this talent and skipping the two soldier talents. But most of us don't work that way. And if you're investing in a character build from level 1, aspiring to be an Imperial Knight, like I do, I plan out my next 20 levels, you may want to gain use out of your armor much earlier. So taking the two soldier talents ahead of time might be your choice. Now, this is kind of, this is interesting. Now, TG, are, are you, and Dave, you, you guys are familiar with, with, I mean, how the armor rules work, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. TG? Well, okay. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it wouldn't hurt to explain it again. So, you can either take your um, character level, correct, or you can take the armor's bonus. Well, you don't really have a choice. You, you, if you, you add your heroic character level to your, to your reflex defense, if you wear armor, you instead, you don't have a choice, you instead add the armor's bonus. Now, if, if I'm a dinky level one stormtrooper, yippee, I get a plus six instead of a plus one, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, but if I'm a mid to high level character, that can actually hurt me. So there's these two soldier talents in the armor specialist talent tree, which are um, the first armored defense, which lets me choose Instead of saying, hi, you have to take the armor's bonus, armor defenses, I can choose. I can choose to add my heroic level instead. Improved armor defense then says, okay, now 
I can add my heroic level and one half of the armor's bonus. So, you know, that's like really awesome. So, but but again, those are two talents you have to take, and the, the whole point of this is that it gives you one, it gives you both those benefits at, for the cost of one talent. And there was a lot of hoopla about this when it came out. People were like, "What? That's game breaking! That's ridiculous!" But Ugh. you, but you have to wait till eighth level to get it, anyways. Precisely. So that's right, what I'm saying. and so it would take you how many? What four levels to gain it? If you just went as soldier. Mm-hmm. Well, right? three, three, yeah. uh, at three levels. Yeah, and I would if I if it was me, I wouldn't waste my soldier talents on this. If I'm going to Imperial Knight, I'm gonna get those abilities anyway. So why waste the talent? You know, meh. Well, I no, I I don't know. That, that, I I kind of disagree with you there because listen, if I'm if I'm gonna build myself to become an armor user, I want to start wearing armor early because I can get more benefit out of it early on anyway. I might just do that. I mean, Dave, would you? Uh probably. So. Really? You're well, just but, saying that. But no, it, it depends on when you start out. I'll tell you what, TG. If we're making fifth or sixth level characters, I'll wait to take armor mastery. But if I'm starting at level one, man, that's seven levels to go through. I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I think it. I don't think I could give you a blanket yes or no that I would or wouldn't. I think I'd have to get into the character's head first because I, I really can't give you a yes, I would, no, I wouldn't. I mean... You make a lot of your decisions based off of role playing, which is good. Yes, you're you good. Do. You're a good role player, so I I see what you're saying. Yeah, I, I tend to look dimly on those that that will plan their characters twenty twenty levels in advance. So you you look dead on me. I know it's okay. No, I, I didn't lump you in with. I didn't know that you planned your characters out like that. It doesn't oh, surprise God. me that you did. But you see her spreadsheets. I mean, well, I personally. We don't play, we don't play enough to where I personally, and and this is nothing toward you or uh, <coughs> Jake, <coughs> but um, <laughs> I don't see the use of planning out my character that far in advance because so many new books are going to come out. I don't know what I'm going to have to work with. Yeah, very true. Well, that's with our main, but I mean, you know, for you know, for 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 groups that game weekly, you know, this can be a. Yeah, and yeah, that, that's that, and that's just me. You know, that's just me. If if I had a character I knew I was gonna every single week, and I'm so busy as it is, I you know I'd sit down and probably plan a little bit more than I do. Yeah. You know, but you know that being said, it is it is what it is. It's really not bad. Well, that is the talent that's probably gonna get the most discussion out of all the talents. But but let's let's move on. Dave, hit us up with the the next talent in in the in the knight's armor talent tree. Uh, this would be uh, breast augmentation one and two. No. Uh, no, no, no. That's not what it is, Dave. Well, check, I, I check see it. augmentation. That's all I really think of. So, I, I armored. Know. Oh, I'm sorry. It says I know. armored augment. Oh, damn it! Armored augmentation one and two. Yes. So, all right. So, number. So, first level says, once an encounter, spend a force point as a swift action, and add your armor's bonus to your reflex defense. Two, your damage threshold for the rest of the encounter. That's pretty good stuff. And if you're wearing Imperial Knight armor, that's plus eight to your damage threshold right there. That's cool. pretty twisted. Dude. Okay, so you step so it up number to number two. two. It does it to the other side. Uh, <laughs> there you go. See, I like the way you're thinking. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, you also gain DR equal to two times your armor equipment bonus to fortitude defense. Again, that's a DR this is the, this time's a DR of four, with Dude. the Imperial Knight armor. 
Yeah, with the Imperial Nine Armor. And that's that's Armored Augmentation 2. Got it. So, that's pretty One wicked. One and two, dude. You got a plus eight to your damage threshold and a DR4. Off of two talents. That ain't bad. Yeah. Not bad. Not bad at all. That ain't bad at all. Very cool. Oh. Um, oh, yes. It, it's It's very nice. I'm looking you forward like to augmentation, I'm, I'm, don't you? Dick? I'm looking. Well, it, no, actually, I don't. I'm 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 not a big yeah. fan of those huge sacks flopping around. But uh, I was I was what Thank I was looking you. at was um was the next two talents. Now this this is interesting. I, I kind of want to preface these. Um, I would talk about them in unison. This the next two talents. The last two in this tree are are Cortosis Defense and Cortosis Retaliation. Now again, more. More we have, we have a lot of EU education in this episode. Um, the, the 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 ten cent tour of Cortosis is that it's a rare mineral in the Star Wars universe that is very brittle and very difficult to work with, and has the uh, nearly unique property of uh, shorting out a lightsaber when it comes in contact with it. Um, Good sound, sound effect. That was the sound it makes right there. Very very nice. Yeah. Very very nice. So, um, Cortosis gauntlets are are uh, you know this very rare item that you can actually wear to you know block a lightsaber and potentially short it out. So, Imperial knights are also known to use these, or some Imperial knights are um, those that are specialized in fighting other Force users. Uh, now, Cortosis defense is uh, basically when you when you use a Cortosis gauntlet, you you ready a block attempt. Uh, if you succeed in your block attempt, you follow it with an opposed unarmed melee attack roll that is a, a, against the lightsaber's attack roll. And that's kind of t- to short it out. So the, the way the mechanic works is, if I've got a Cortosis gauntlet on, I ready a block attempt. If they attack with a lightsaber, ah, my action goes off. I make an unarmed attack roll with a Cortosis gauntlet. They make a lightsaber attack roll, and we just compare whose attack roll is higher. If I beat their attack roll, I grab their lightsaber blade and short it out with my gauntlet, basically. This talent gives you a plus two on that opposed unarmed attack roll. Mm. Yeah, Not stupendous. Uh, but, but if you're a Cortosis specialist, it, it can be vital. Big time. Big time, you need it, yeah. Now, Cortosis Retaliation is really the big brother of Cortosis Defense. When you succeed in parrying a lightsaber blow with your gauntlet, you get to make an immediate attack of opportunity against the attacker. This is basically the kick you when you're down maneuver. So after you disable their weapon, okay, completely, you then pause to deliver a vicious blow as a reaction. You know, kick to the ribs, something like that. You know, so I, I deactivate your lightsaber and follow through with a nasty punch to your face with my giant cortosis. Oh, that's right. I'm going to hit you in the dump stat. That's very cinematic. I like it. It is. It is very cinematic. I like it a lot. Um, well, that is the uh, the knight's armor talent tree. The next talent tree is the knight's resolve talent tree. Now, some would say the weapon of the imperial knight is their uh, silver-hued lightsaber. I would disagree. I would think the weapon of the imperial knight would be their pride. Um, their 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 resolve, their spirit, and that is personified in their combat techniques, which are unique, deadly, and really ultimately centered around their devotion to their cause and their code, um, and working in tandem with their allied Imperial Knights. So, TG, why don't you hit us up with the first uh, the first talent in the Knights Resolve talent tree? It's kind of a a pretty basic pretty basic look. That would be the Knights morale. You're so emboldened when an ally attacks that you become more resilient. So what this means is when an ally is within 12 squares and line of sight hits 
with a lightsaber attack, you gain a plus one morale bonus to all defenses until the end of your next turn. Nice. Then, so, if you get, which is pretty cool, especially if you delay and go after your allies, you yeah. get to use this basically twice. So if you got a crappy, uh, if you got a crappy, craptastic initiative score, you might actually be in the benefit of this. <laughs> right, right. But what's what's also good is that this is a building block for the next one, which is strength uh, of the uh, empire. Ah. Lay, lay, lay it on us. What's strength of the empire? Well, again, when an ally is within twelve squares and line of sight, that hits with the lightsaber, you now deal an extra dice of damage with the next lightsaber attack you make before the end of your next turn. Crap. Yeah. There's no upper limit to this. Ladies and gents, boys and girls, when caught up in duty and pride, surrounded by a troop of fellow knights, or even ally Jedi, a simple party of four fellow lightsaber wielders who hit can give you a four die six to your next attack. So it definitely benefits you to be last in initiative order <laughs> that's it's, awesome the talents you take yeah see i i really i really like these i really like these a lot and it's interesting that it's it's allied lightsaber users basically so it's really designed to work in tandem with with other other things you know what i mean with yeah. with, with, with other with other lightsaber users so i think that's pretty cool well the next talent uh i, I want to talk about is is Oath of Duty. Now, this is, again, more allied bonus stuff. When an ally within 12 squares and line of sight hits with a lightsaber, you gain bonus hit points equal to three times your class level until the end of your next turn. Very awesome. Wow. Um, basically so if, that, you're, if you're yeah. 10th level? 30 nine, bonus hit points. 30 <laughs> bonus hit points. That's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, it is. It makes you a tank without equal. Yeah. Um, very, very cool. Now, the last two talents um, are are sort of, uh, I guess you can call them Imperial Knight lightsaber techniques almost. And why don't you tell us about the first one? Well, Pretoria Issue. That's a really cool name. <laughs> I would want to take it just for the name, honestly. A knight with block and deflect can take this talent. And it allows them to use block and deflect against an adjacent ally without spinning a force point. So uh, not not against the ally, but for the adjacent ally, basically. Exactly. Because, so, I mean, and th this is a rules clarification that came out in the errata that basically, if you recall, you can, if you have block or deflect, you can use that talent for an adjacent ally, but you just have, you have to spend a force point to do so. Um, right. So considering that uh, the bodyguard role that the, the, you know, the Imperial Knights play, this seems like it's rather perfect for, for what they do. It's a good role-playing decision and, and makes good use of helping out your buddies. Hey, if you've got two, two yeah. Imperial Knights standing next to each other. Exactly. One, if, yeah. Seriously, they, they could both get a reactional shot. Even if one misses, the other could take it. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Well, the, the last talent in this tree is Pretoria Vonal. Or Vonal. Um, now, this technique... Uh, exemplifies the offensive style favored by the knights who are masters of the lightsaber. Um, now, you've got to have we weapon-focused lightsaber to get it, which isn't a bad idea at any rate. Uh, when wielding a single saber with two hands, 
you deal an extra die of damage as long as you move one square before your attack. Charge, anyone? <laughs> in, in conjunction with the powerful charge feat, this is an amazing talent. If you, if you become a charge monkey and you're charging all the time, you're going to be moving at least one square. You're going to get that extra die damage on top of the boosted damage you could potentially have for charging with a feat like powerful charge. Very cool. All right, so we've talked about recruitment. We've donned the armor. Let's wield the blade. Uh, which we've seen how powerful this class can be. Now, uh, true, it's, it's not often you see an Imperial Knight. Okay, it's, 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 it's not easy to gain membership, and, and becoming a knight is not something you can just do on the fly. It's got to fit, not only with the campaign setting, but also the campaign plan itself. So suffice it to say, this is a character decision you really need to work through with your GM. But if you've got the green light, What's the best way to go about being a great Imperial Knight? Well, here's a couple builds to help whet your appetite. And uh, the first one we wanted to call the tank. tank. The tank. I'm tank. Uh, so you want to be an unstoppable, unhittable force on the field. Few could ask for better than an Imperial Knight. This build focuses on massively high reflex defense, toughness, and attack negation. Uh, basically, you'll be one of the hardest foes ever to take out. Um... So how do you do that? Well, there's two things you do. You be unhittable, and then you be undamageable. To be unhittable, make the most use out of armor. That's paramount, okay? Now, if your GM is role-playing properly and really getting it going, you're probably going to get yourself a suit of Imperial armor when you take this. Either maybe you'll be given the opportunity to make it or spend the credits to have it made for you. Um, but early on, you're going to want to game Armored Defense and Improved Armored Defense, or just, again, wait it out for Armored Mastery, whichever one you want to do. The Imperial Knight armor is among the best in the game. Coupled with feats like Improved Defenses, Martial Arts 1, 2, and 3, it will boost your reflex defense into the stratosphere. But ultimately, even though your reflex defense is super high, you don't need to get hit in the first place. Take block, take deflect, skill focus, use the force. And you got quite a good shot at never getting hit at all. But even if they do get past your use the force check, they've got this massive reflex defense to deal with. Knight's morale makes that even better. Um, now, being undamageable, TG, so okay, so, so what? So what if you are hit? If they, if they happen to get past your massively high reflex defense and your block and deflect attempts, it might very well mean nothing at all. Okay, feats like improved damage threshold coupled with armored augmentation, one, mean that moving down the condition track is a very rare thing for you. Uh, and with armored augmentation, two, and oath of duty with your DR and your bonus hit points, you very well could just shrug off most any damage that you do take. Um, but you're talking about being like a 10th level Imperial Knight at this point. If, if It seems like that's the only way you could be able to have all of this stuff. Oh, sure. Well, these are just different. I'm not saying go for all of it, but I'm saying oh. that, you know, things, things to think about. Like, okay, being unhittable, if I take armored defense and improved armored defense early in my soldier career, and then, you know, uh, as well as, as block and deflect and skill focus, use the force, those are all things I can get by level seven, all of it. Okay. I mean, what I mean, that, that's, that's four talents and uh, at a feat, okay? Um, you know, then, then, you know, you can be unhittable and have a good chance of never getting hit at all. Um, with, okay. with, with, the, with the Imperial Knight armor. I see what you know, you're but, saying. But if you don't, don't want to go that route for, for a character decision instead, if, you, if you'd rather just be undamageable, you know, hey, forget your reflex. Wow, I've got a dex of eight. Whoop-de-doo. <laughs> you know, 
uh, who cares? You know, I, I got this great armor and I can use it to buff myself up uh, in terms of toughness. Well, that's all well and good, but the Imperial Knight, in my mind, seems to be uh, someone who's just basically the beat stick, the big old dude who stands out in front and takes all the aggro while all of his other party members kind of knock everybody else down. And well, just, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, I, th- I and think, then and then kind of charge into stuff and and I, attack. I, don't know. I think I think that that's a good thing. He, I think I think he can be a fearsome damage dealer in his own right. Okay. And and I mean that that's kind of you know when you say when you say beat stick, that's kind of the image that comes into my mind. Um, aside from being that defensive machine, I think they can deal a lot of damage with a combination of some good tactics and and some character maximization. Um, mostly. Are from- you talking about min maxing? <laughs> no, I'm talking about party cohesion, uh, mm-hmm. which is kind of which is. Oh, kinda, I'm going to uh, say that for now. I'm not a min maxer. I am party. I'm not a min maxer. I'm a role player. Those two <laughs> are uh, but no, seriously. I mean, listen with with the combination of tax, tactics to 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 maximize allied attacks and more importantly charging. I I don't know. I think you can doubt damage most anybody else on the battlefield um, if you play it right. Well, you got to be a team player. Okay, bottom line. If, if you want to be a damage-dealing Imperial Knight, that's where it all lies. A team player. Talents, like we said, Strength of the Empire, Knight's Morale, Oath of Duty. They make you let the most out of working with a team. And I, I, don't, I think that's a fun and rewarding concept. And I really like it. Um, other talents, like uh, Comrades in Arms and, and Watch Your Back... Uh, from the soldier's trooper talent tree. Um, they enhance that even further. And they're great choices for those levels in soldier that you're probably going to be taking to, in order to get your armor proficiency. Um, but lastly, even if you don't want to go that route, you have another option available to you. And it's Charge! <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> it, it, honestly, this can be available to you as early as 8th level, You know, your first level in that prestige class. So, okay. What is the biggest disadvantage? I want to start out this discussion by saying this. What is the biggest disadvantage that our Imperial Knight would face? A rather unsettling one for a melee combatant forced into the fray. If they have this boss Imperial armor on, they are most likely going to have a four-square speed. Uh, It's the the, the bane of medium armor. Okay, so wait, I I got a four-square speed, but I'm a melee combatant? that's designed to get to the front lines and be a tank and a beat stick, how do I deal with that? Well, the answer is simple. Charge. <laughs> the not-so-humble charge attack. By charging, you can get eight squares of movement in a round. You can move, take your move action to move four, and then charge as your standard, getting another four squares of movement, ending in an attack. Basically. Um, as well, uh, you can guarantee the use of Pretoria Vonal for bonus damage when you charge. Because... Honestly, when you charge, you're going to be moving at least one square. Powerful charge, as you said earlier. Another great feat. Gives you a plus four to hit, plus four to damage when you charge. So, you know, honestly, TG, like, the other huge disadvantage, I think, of the Imperial Knight is the fact that you're not a very skillful character. Now, that's not really your role, but if you're looking for more of a, you know, a more universal skillful character, depending on the campaign, you might, you know, may want to multi-class early on. Uh, to get a bigger skill list. Now, if you multi-class into Scoundrel, 
early on, you could take Skirmisher to offset that hit to the base attack bonus. And Skirmisher, again, would be usable every time you charge because you're moving at least one square. Yeah. So, I don't know, there, there's a few things uh, to ponder, Gamer Nation, a few builds. I, I like the Imperial Knight. It is iconic. It represents the Legacy Era so well. When I, when I was writing my, my Legacy Era module for Gen Con this past year, for the Eye of Rishi, um, I was sitting down with, with you guys and was like, okay, what is the iconic things you think of when you think of the Legacy Era? And the first thing that came to people's minds were Imperial Knights. So, there you go. Chewbacca. <laughs> sad sad panda sad and the music is done oh. thank you for listening Gamer Nation I hope this talk helped you somewhat and uh, we want to know what else you want us to talk about Give us a, drop us a line at the Lusa line 206-600-5872 email us as we said earlier gmchris at d20radio.com gmdave at d20radio.com tweet like goodness at d20radio.com head to the forums d20radio.com slash forum it's a good thing. It's a beautiful thing. It's goodness. Remember, a mind is a terrible thing to waste. It is. It is a terrible, terrible thing to waste. But thank you all for tuning in. Um, next week, um, I don't know. We, we've been talking about trying to have maybe a, a surprise cast midweek, maybe to, to kind of catch us up. But uh, I'm going to be in, uh, well, traveling for business again uh, next week. And I may, may be able to do it on the road. Hotland. I'll be in Hotlanta yet again. Um, so uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll see what we can't do. But at the very least, we should be able to pull off a cast next weekend, guys. So don't worry. Yes. I want to thank my uh, co-host, GM Dave, and uh, the lovely Twi'lek goodness for their time. And thank you all for t- tuning in. This is GM Chris wishing you peace, love, and very good gaming. And keep them dice rolling. And let them be full of the force. D20 Radio, where gamers roll. www.d20radio.com This podcast and related websites are not endorsed by Lucasfilm Limited, 20th Century Fox, or Wizards of the Coast, and are intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. The official Star Wars site can be found at starwars.com. The official Wizards of the Coast site can be found at wizards.com. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, D20 logo, D20 system references, all named pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited, Wizards of the Coast, or their respective trademark and copyright holders. All original content of this podcast and its related website, including graphical, textual, audio, and visual information is the intellectual property of the Order 66 podcast. Post show? No, denied.